Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to the side that's at bottom of UEFA Europa Conference League Group A after the first match day, Heart and Midlothian Football Club. And joining me, Adam Kennedy, to discuss a trouncing from the Turks at Tynecastle is Daniel McIver. How are you, McIver? Good. I'm even better now after that alliteration. That was lovely. What can I say, mate? I'm back in the string of things at uni, so it's headlines aplenty, it's feature articles, all this jazz. Been looking for additional writing gigs and what have you. So, yeah, I'm firmly in the thick of it. We are now firmly in the thick of the season, and to be honest, I want the season over already, because it's just been <laughs> a pitiful, pitiful start, hasn't it? We was... are rank, man. This is going to be an interesting episode, because it's... I've seen a lot of, in the fan base of kind of just reflection on where we are. It's like, right, okay. And I've been fascinated at how wide a variety of opinion there is. So I think this could be an interesting episode. You certainly say that again. Um, look, we obviously don't have a domestic match at the weekend to discuss. However, I do want to go around the grounds because I picked out a couple other noteworthy results uh, within the Europa Conference League on the first match day. Um, obviously, we are in Group A. So as I was doing this, I was going group by group and was reminded rather depressingly that Riga got a point against Fiorentina in Florence. Um, so that was the other match <laughs> taking place in Group A. That's exactly what we want to hear ahead of Thursday. Um, West Ham beat Stowe Bucharest 3-1 in Group B. I think they're about the only other British team in it. Um Villarreal, obviously your favourites, McIver and Lech Pozdan played out a seven-goal thriller on the first match day with the Spaniards winning four goals to three. Uh, nice and Cologne played out a one-all draw in Group D. I think that would have been a decent wee clash. Uh, and Shamrock Rovers, the other British and Irish side that are in the competition, uh, they actually played out a goalless draw at home to Swedish side Djurgården uh, in Group F. So a couple other noteworthy results there. It's great to touch on the big boys, isn't it, rather than, you know, St Mirren and St Johnson every week. But, yeah, did you uh, take anything else away from the opening match day of the Europa Conference before we get into our match, of course? It's just it's just really surreal still to be looking at European results, like peek behind the curtain as we're recording this. It's Tuesday the 13th, so there's Champions League games going on. It's really weird to think that this week of European games it will concern us and when I'm looking at Villarreal's score just below it or above it it's our score so that's the main thing for me I watched um, I didn't watch the whole Villarreal game when I came back I, I watched the first half um, I just like Villarreal I really like Villarreal um, it was it was a weird game because Villarreal I feel could have won it 5-0 but they also could have lost and I don't think either scoreline they would have complained about. So, as expected, they're a really entertaining side, which is why I wanted them. I, and why I'm grateful that we've avoided them, given <laughs> we've got our arse fell off to Istanbul, which actually here. Um, so that was damaging enough. Because were they not one of like, the lowest in pot one, Istanbul? Yes, they were. I think they were the lowest apart from West Ham. Yeah, I think you might be right. That's... Yeah. That's, that's good, isn't it? That's encouraging. Um, but yeah, I just I'm so I'm so, oh, I'm so done with hearts at the minute, man. Like wait, I'm not. About, I'm positive. You're about the only one. Like I don't even know. Like uh, let, let's just get into chatting about this game. Robbie Nielsen made five changes to the Hearts team that lost one nil to Livingston in West Lothian, um, and. Let's go through it all. So, yeah, Lewis Nielsen and Toby Civic made way for full four fullbacks to start in the back four. Uh, obviously, coping with the absence of Kyros and Craig Halkett as Michael Smith and Nathaniel Atkinson got the nod. Peter Haring replaced the suspended George Grant on Thursday uh, with Alan Forrest replacing Gary Mackay, Stephen, and Lauren Shanklin starting at Stephen Humphrey's expense. I think I've got that right. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Jambos lined up as follows. Again, there's debate as to what we started and when we started all that. But as far as I read it, or as far as I saw with my own eyes being there, it appeared to me to be a 4-2-3-1 with Gordon and goal back four of Atkinson, Smith, Kingsley and Cochran, like I say, uh, Haring and Devlin in front of them with Forrest and Mackay either side of Andy Halliday supporting Lawrence Shankland. Now, 
I say this McIver because it appeared to be a 4-2-3-1. However, I read it as a 3-4-3, rather optimistically, hoping that we would take the game to the Turks, so to speak. Uh, but it didn't transpire that way. What did you make of uh, the selection of the 11 um, and the sort of tactics, stroke, game plan surrounding it? If you're watching on YouTube, you've just seen me laughing for the last minute as Adam got to the Andy Halliday point. Because, listen, we might have moved it about in-game. I don't know. I, I wasn't really... We were very no. fluid with a bunch of stuff. <laughs> but we started that game with Andy Halliday in the number 10. And I don't know what we're doing anymore. Like, I don't know what's going on. Apparently, I, like, I remember at the time of the cup final, there was rumours that if Boyce wasn't going to be fit, Halliday was going to be playing in the 10 then as well. But Boyce then declared himself fit. So therefore, Halliday didn't need to play in that position because why would Andy Halliday need to play in the number 10? That's insane. Never mind doing it in a domestic cup final. Never mind doing it in a European game. But it's now got to the stage where I just find it really funny and hope that's now his actual position just for a laugh. Because in regards to the selection, I'll be totally honest, I wish we hadn't dropped Lewis Nielsen because I would have liked one centre-half who is actually a centre-half to be playing. That would have been quite nice. Who, who would you have started Nielsen ahead of then? I would have started him ahead of Smith, but moved Smith to right-back to drop oh, Atkinson. Okay. You really hate Nathaniel Atkinson. I, I don't hate him. I just don't... When we're playing a four, he can't play, because he it doesn't allow him to get I forward. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's any good. Yeah, I don't hate him. He's got lovely dogs. But, and he seems like a lovely guy, but in a four, you have to be more defensive and he can't defend. So if it's in a three and he's a wing back, that suits him far better because it basically just allows him to get forward. That's brave, chucking Nielsen. Uh, no, I know he's not, or barely put a foot wrong. I didn't think he was particularly great against Livingston. To start him in a Europa conference... I do get that, match. right? I do get that. But also, the counterpoint is... He's at least a it's not fucking unit. Yeah. So <laughs> look at who he was up against, who we'll get to. Oh, Jesus. At yeah, least you're not wrong. there's a slight semblance of a physical battle potential. Like Kingsley is not a wee guy. Kingsley's really tall and has muscle about him, but he's not Lewis Nielsen. Lewis Nielsen doesn't look the age he is. He looks like a fool. He's just massive. He's absolutely huge. But I actually forgot until the next day that Grant was suspended, and that's why he didn't play. Because I was like, why is he not in the squad at all? Is this thigh injury worse than we thought? Surely then he could have been the number 10 and Andy Halliday's yeah. successor. And I feel it like having made played at Livingston. Yeah. yeah, it made a lot more sense when I was like, oh yeah, Grant physically couldn't play, so that's why. Can I just say, we are living off that Derby win that basically consigned him to the bottom six of Andy Halliday starting at number 10, aren't we? Yeah. That can only, that is the only possible logical explanation. How, before we get discussing the game, how concerned are you with regards to the current injury situation? Because I am not impressed. Listen, I have always made it clear in this podcast that I am not one for the national team, right? I'm, I'm not... I never want our players to be called up at the best of times because I just worry about injuries. Obviously, today, the, as we're recording, the, the national team came out and the only Hearts representative is Craig Gordon. I, even more so, am delighted because if the, the main calls were Kingsley and Mackay, to a lesser extent, it was Shankland as well and Xander Clark, I guess. Um. If either of them went away or any selection of them went away and got slightly hurt, I don't know if we'd be able to field an 11 at this point. Because, yeah, as you say, it's like... Bar the keepers. Yeah, exactly. John well, McLaughlin, could I just say, sorry, being chucked in there is patter at his finest. Isn't he hurt as well? I don't know what he's been watching. Well, he didn't even train with Rangers today. Yeah, allegedly. apparently he's hurt. Baffling. Xander Clark must already be spewing... <laughs> <laughs> and just already be angry at his agent for making him sign a three-year deal. Is this what anyway. happens when you're yeah. a backup now? <laughs> um, I, a lot of the injuries are contact injuries. They're not like a muscle's torn from just running a lack of fitness. Like 
The Halkett one is a slip on really bad conditions where he's hyperextended. The Rolls one is a broken foot on impact. The Boyce one is a stuck his foot in at an angle. It's a freak injury that almost never happens. Benny's the exact same. Kingsley is the only one who seemed to be kind of like an issue with a muscle, but that goes back to Kingsley's career where it's the same niggle and injury coming back. So I don't think there's an issue in terms of our fitness as a team in terms of injuries, but what I don't really understand is how by the hour mark, we just seem knackered and out on our feet. Like, and again, I get it, we're playing more games, but we are only in the second week of September. If we were at kind of Halloween time, I would understand it a lot more because then there's so, like our October fixtures are insane. We're playing like nine games or something like that in October. That looks grim. Yeah, it's going to be some laugh. It would have been tough games as well. Yeah, it would have been 10 if we'd got through in the League Cup, but it now still could be 10 because the St Mirren game is potentially getting moved to then. I am just a bit worried going, how do we... Robbie might just be saying we need to rotate to get into the rhythm of rotating for when everybody's there and stuff like that, but there's an element of, no, I think we need to rotate because although apart from Alex Cochran, Alex Cochran and Cammy Devlin just seem to be able to play 90 minutes all the time whenever we need them. Everyone that's understandable else. as kind of two of the younger members within the squad. That's, tr- that's very true. Very true. But Atkinson got hurt. Right? True. <laughs> Similar true. age. It is just, we can't just win games with Alex Cochran and Cammy Devlin. Although they are like my guys. And I was going to say, that's literally your ideal heart is due. Right <laughs> yeah, there. exactly. But I think we might need a wee bit more than just them. Yeah. And so it would prove when taking on Istanbul, Bishakshi here. At Dane Castle. Um, I mean, it is somewhat ironic that we are, did I say slagging and slating the selection of Andy Halliday at number 10? Because he had our very first chance within the match, and it's a big one. Um, 15 minutes in, he does well to get around his man, and he's into the box just as he's about to pull the trigger. It's a phenomenal slide tackle that robs the ball of him. But it was up my side, and I was raging that he could not get a shot away. And because he he, he literally just bursts clean through, is shaping up to shoot, is going to it, and doesn't, and then it's nicked away. And oh, it's just, I was just in disbelief. I was thinking, we're actually putting them under. I, I genuinely thought that was the start of us putting them under a little bit of pressure, but it didn't really prove that way. I think that chance and the next one that we'll get to in two moments showcased how we're not yet ready for European competition. Uh, let's just talk about the Shanklin one now. Yeah, Is that cool. after they took the lead? Because I oh, can't, I can't remember. remember. I can't remember. Maybe? By the way, you were gonna you were gonna chat about the Shanklin yeah. chance. So Shanklin again gets himself into a really good position, and just as he's about to shoot, he gets the ball nicked off him. It just showcased immediately how we're not up to the speed of Europe yet. And I don't think that can come without experience. Like, you can tell players you need to act a wee bit quicker when you're in Europe. Because see that Halliday chance and the Shanklin chance? See, if we're playing that domestically, they both, I think, at least get shots off of the keeper and make them work. There's a higher chance that Shanklin scores than Halliday, obviously, but... I think they both have much better chances because domestically our game's much slower. There's one person I want to speak about at half time that kind of sums that up in a positive way, but from a negative sense, we're just for every four touches we took eh, on Thursday night, they took two because yeah. they're just higher quality player, higher experience. Sharp, yeah, exactly. And we're, <laughs> you can't really say to guys like Andy Halliday, come on, be at Bertrand Traore's level in terms of like that's not an issue of not trying hard enough or not caring. That's just they're physically not that good, and there's not much we can really do about that. It was Lucas Bilia for me, just receiving it on the turn. Yeah, that, that World Cup finalist just yeah. sat in the middle of the park. Yeah, just that bloke that's got about 50 caps for Argentina. <laughs> yeah, him. Um, look, the visitors would respond to the holiday chance coming down the left-hand side, which would become apparent. Uh, Craig Gordon turns away a Daniel Alaksic header. I'm going to struggle with the names. I know yeah. that there's folk that will tune into the YouTube. I'm just peering at my notes because the names are proving tricky. So again, apologies about that. 
Um, and then it actually looked again like we would respond as we had an effort cleared off the line. Barry Mackay, short corner, saw Michael Smith eventually swing in. Stephen Kingsley out jumps the goalkeeper, nods over to Peter Haring, who glances at goalwards, but it's hooked off the line. And it remains goalless somehow. I genuinely couldn't believe it. I thought, I, I instantly thought, is this going to be another Zurich? <laughs> and we'd only carved out two opportunities. One, we hadn't even got a shot away, and that robbed off the line. I got, in in half a second, I got so excited because I was like, Peter Haring's going to score our first European goal, and that would make me so happy. Like him or Smith. If, if him or Smith got our first European goal, I'll be so buzzing. You didn't I mean, have any dough on them, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Um, obviously, I know Shanklin scored in the Europa League qualifier, but I mean, in terms of group stages. It's our only European goal to date. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't count. It's our fourth match on Thursday. No. I mean, in terms of group stages, I would have loved it if Haring scored. Again, though, it sums up our luck that we finally do a good corner. And then they're do- we're doing it against an elite side who just have well, the first ever. First time ever. I, I, I think, and I can't even remember, I'm convinced I shouted out, oh, for fuck's sake, why are you going short? And then the swings that in, and I'm like, oh, that's actually an invited ball. But And then we never did it again. I know, <laughs> because if, it's, if it looks as though it's going to be our only chance to break the deadlock, why would you try and repeat that? Yeah. Um, but the deadlock would eventually be broken and it was be courtesy of the Turks. Hearts, I'm just, I'm just going to polish this as politely as I can. Uh, fail to clear their lines. That's one say. way of putting it. Um, and gift the ball back to Istanbul, which actually here at the edge of the box. It's then flung out to the left back who got forward. What a strike. And from where I was, obviously upper end, I had a glance over. It's an absolutely phenomenal hit. Pass Greg Gordon in a flash, but annoying because it's such a preventable goal. Yeah. Um, I, as I said last week, my season ticket seat uh, got moved due to um, broadcasting rights, so my rows were all shut off. So I was in the middle of S, and that was directly in... I was looking at his back as he hit that and almost level with him because I was just I was in the upper tier like on the concourse but one of the front first few rows so I was like dead on with it and just I I was in a different area in my seat so I was hearing different opinions from people who who, like I've never heard before and it was really interesting because there was one person who was constantly for the first they scored like the 20th minute or something right uh, 26, I think. Yeah. Right, perfect. So for the first like 25 minutes, there was two people at other ends of a row behind me who had very different opinions on how the game was going. <laughs> One person was getting furious with how we were passing it so often and like just try to keep the ball and create something. And they wanted us to go long constantly. Whereas the other person, whenever we went long, nothing came of it. So that person was like, keep the ball. We were working. We're doing well to be building slowly. So am I. I I'm the <laughs> latter. And, and look, I'm, I'm all for possession with a purpose. But the amount of backwards passes. And look, it, I, I don't want to have to do this. I really don't want to have to do this. Because I know that you love Peter Haring. But he has started this season woefully, in my opinion. I he, think he really has. I, and look, he was made to look amazing in Craig Levine's team. Given how much this squad has improved since, and again, this could be really harsh, it seems as though he's kind of the last hang honor, so to speak, of Craig Levine's squad. I know you love him, Vitz, but just how exposed he appears with a lack of pace. There's no doubt he's quality on the ball. I've, I've said that. I will continue to say that. But I, I'm not the gaffer's biggest fan, but I have to agree with his scepticism surrounding Peter Haring because it appeared for all the world that he was going to be released in the summer there. We'd try and look for a replacement. And I believe you said it last season, mate. Like, in terms of losing him and John Suter, I think it's abundantly clear that Suter is the bigger loss for a commanded centre-half in the back four. We have that when Halkett's fit, but when he ain't, we don't. And to me... 
I can't wait to see this German fella. Also can't wait to welcome Benny Beningamy back, although that's a long, long way away. And we don't know what player he'll be when he comes back. And we don't know what player he'll be when he, when he comes back. But it seems to me now like Big Pete is probably bottom of the pecking order when it comes to that double pivot in front of the back four. I, I want to hear your thoughts because I know that we're not supposed to agree all the time. I know that we're supposed to disagree upon occasion. And I feel like you're going to stick up for your man here. So the floor is yours. So I will say exactly what I said after the first leg against Zurich. Peter Haring should not be playing in our European games because the pace of the game is beyond them. Domestically, he is still one of our better midfielders. You saw it against Hibs, you saw it against Dundee United, you saw it against Ross County. Against Hibs, I thought he was okay. I thought he was our second best player against Hibs. I thought Cochrane was our best player. Um, And then I thought Haring, as soon as Haring started to tire, that's when Hibs then came into it. And against Ross County, I thought the same. And Dundee United, I thought the same. I think at European level, he's he's caught out in what I was just saying about Shankland and Halliday, where it's not his fault. It's just that he physically can't keep up with that pace. And... His type of game, you'll total, he's totally fine domestically. In my opinion, I know other people will disagree and that's fine. But I think, and I'm not saying he's our best midfielder. Obviously, I think Devlin's our best midfielder in that position. Um, yeah, so do I. Yeah. And, but, sorry, I just think domestically we can deal with that. I think that's totally fine. His command and presence, even just from a mentality aspect, things totally fine. I will be totally honest. I thought he was actually all right up until that goal. I thought he was fine. I don't think he was great or anything, but I thought he was okay. And then it's maybe because I'm thinking of that chance that he had. So I'm I, thinking I, he was involved. I'm not I'm not digging him out, but I don't think anybody was particularly No, great. that's the thing, and yeah. That, and that's that's the thing. I, f- I felt for him. I felt for Andy Halliday because he's playing in a position that he's not necessarily Yeah, what's he meant to. to do? Yeah, like, again, the squad is that bare at the minute that you're, you're right. We're sort of lucky to be putting out an 11, really. Um, I agree, we, though, by the way. I do we agree. Go, we could go through the entire first 11 and you can mm-hmm. pick out flaws from Thursday Yeah, night. absolutely. I definitely do agree. Like, I saw Craig Fowler, who is, as he said when he was on the show, the founder of the Peter Haring uh, fan club. He gave Haring a four in the evening news. Yeah. Like, I'm not just going to sit here and go, no. Peter Haring was amazing. He's outstanding. He was class. <laughs> His shoulders are best player. Yeah, that's ridiculous to suggest. And he rightly came off at half time. But I don't think it's then all okay because he can't compete at the highest level we've seen in 16 years. Therefore, he can't have a place in the squad generally. I think I think there's numerous players that this will apply to with mm-hmm. their deals sort of expiring at the end of the season. Yeah. You know. We've just signed Robert Snodgrass, who we're all hoping works out. If he doesn't, we'll probably be amongst the first to leave. Mm-hmm. You could argue the same for Big Pete. I believe Gary Mackay Stevens' deal is up coming the end of yeah, the season. Haven't yeah. checked that out, but yeah. So again, it's Josh Janelli's. There you go. So we're looking at four or five already that could be shifted out the door come May. That we'd look to upgrade, but we can't necessarily say it would be a, a massive detrimental loss to the playing squad. I think we're very much a work in progress still. Mm-hmm. I know that I've said this numerous times last season, and I think we've had a great summer transfer window. Don't get me wrong. But again, it doesn't just change over a window. This has been the case for just picking little bits here and there. And it seems like we're going to continue trying to do that. I don't know who's available in January for lining up yeah. free contracts, like another Alan Forrest type deal or whatever. I'd be intrigued to see what goes on with regards to you know the rest of the league if anybody could come in and make us better. But especially when we've got all the best. injuries on top of that, exactly. As well. And I, I don't like how how am I trying to say this? I can't be too critical because of the stage that we're currently at. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah, absolutely. Us being in Europe probably exceeded or vastly exceeded our expectations last season. Mm-hmm. So for us to then just be raging and angry about it. Like it, that's counterproductive in itself. All the games are a free hit for me. Of course they are. Free hit. Of course they are. We want this to be, you know, a regular, consistent basis. Hearts qualifying for Europe, but we also want the squad to be able to combat both playing domestically and continentally, and that takes time. I will say, I am really. You mentioned them there. I am really excited to see what Keo is like. 
percent. Especially with all the stats and what we're hearing pointing to the fact that he is almost Haring's replacement. What is the script? Because he signed, or he was announced prior to the St. Johnson so game. How long does it take for a visa? This is what I want to know. Well, currently it's just because of Brexit and the fact that I saw him again, Newcastle. Not, not getting too political on this podcast no. with recent events. Let's just say that. With Newcastle and Isaac, Eddie Howe was speaking about the fact that the signing was made at the end of the transfer window, but it had actually been planned for weeks beforehand, but they couldn't get terms to even agree a deal due to documentation not being able to get passed across um, Spanish authorities and British authorities, because obviously he was at Sociedad. We've clearly got to the stage where, oh, okay, we've got him signed, like that's fine, but then we can't register him because of delays. And I don't know how high up the pecking order professional footballers are and getting visas. I mean, it was easy enough for my missus coming over from Canada, but she qualified through her papa who was Scottish. So, so there, there you go. That was that was a nice little simple heritage <laughs> visa. But if you want to kick ball for hearts, it's a heck of a lot more complicated. Because I've seen that. I've seen people be like, well Boyle came from Saudi Arabia. How's that fight? It's like, yeah, but he was like born here and has played here Aberdonian sounding man of yeah, exactly. so that's why it's a bit different Keo <laughs> is not from Glenrothes like <laughs> there's a difference no exactly Martin Boyle is about as Australian as us two are um, exactly but yeah again you know prior to the half ending Craig Gordon was again called into action mm. this time denying Bertrand Traore with an unorthodox reaction save which was phenomenal <laughs> Um, the Turks looking at a pile on the agony before, again, Alexic uh, had the follow-up on a plate but blasted over the bar. That was a big wake-up. Mm-hmm. Um, but couldn't respond before half-time. You were wanting to touch on half-time. Yes. So there's one person I want to mention. A lot of criticism towards Cami Devlin comes from people who say he runs around like a headless chicken, he's just a lot of energy, and potentially doesn't do a lot with that energy. I have always disagreed with that because I feel even domestically his energy really helps. But that has us now played two games at Tynecastle in Europe, Zurich and Istanbul. I would say on, from a Hearts perspective, he's been our best player. And we've seen that start. We've seen that start from the Europe comments where in the, in the first game week, the person that made the most tackles out of any game was Cami Devlin with 10. I don't um, actually see that. Yeah, wow. Raw Albiol was third with seven, and there was someone with it. We actually, in the top ten, we had three. We had Devlin, Halliday, No wonder, because we Atkinson. suffered probably the heaviest defeat of all the teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Turks are running rings around <laughs> us, and we're all astounded as to why everybody's so high in the tackleometer. Speaking about stats, Istanbul are also currently the best-performing side in the whole tournament, if you take into account league and European results. The, oh, okay. they're, they're the only team who in the last seven games have won all seven domestically and European. Because what is, is that now 23 games? 24 unbeaten. Or with a weekend? Yeah, 24 unbeaten now. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, so they're, they're near enough top of the Turkish league. It's yeah. not, like, not like we've just been papped out by Greenick Morton. Exactly. Devlin's energy... I think matches the European level. I'm not saying his ability does or anything like that. I'm not being like, Cami Devlin is a European quality player. What I mean is just his endeavour and the pace of the game really lends itself well to his ability because when it, when we're playing St Johnston at home and it's Ryan McGowan in the middle of the park and Stevie May up front, Oh, right, like, for Gauzer. Well, he was... He injured Kyle. <laughs> to be fair, so... yeah. I don't want to stick up for Gauzer. <laughs> So I'm no halfway with I'm just now anyway. The domestic tempo is a lot slower compared to European level. So Devlin could often just look like he's the only one running about constantly. Whereas at Europe, everybody, like, they were just constantly high energy. And and between that, like, you can't afford to give decent players time on the ball. We, We needed a strong pressing from the front performance on Thursday night. Ultimately, didn't get that. It. Was the thing, Cammy Devlin, Devlin was kept, perhaps the exception. Devlin was just pressing on his own, and it's like I can't fault him for that, but I can fault everybody else around because yeah. what's that going to do? What's one player initiating a high press? And then, do? like you say, he's left exposed because he's the only one looking to try and establish a press, which then potentially leaves gaps which people aren't necessarily covering. Yeah, 
honestly, you could just go nuts at them all yeah. night, couldn't you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah really fair play to Dave. If I was Robbie, I'd be screaming. I'd be pulling my hair out first and foremost, but I would be screaming my lungs out. Yeah. Carry on. Sorry, I was gonna. I really interrupted you there. So just, I feel like I understand some people's criticism of Devlin. He's not his perfect player, right? I really like him, so I'm biased towards him. But I'm biased towards him in the sense of because I think he's been very good. I'm biased towards him in the same way I'm biased towards Craig Gordon and Alex Cochran and Stephen Kingsley. Like, I'm biased towards the players who are good for us. And I feel like in Europe, we've not had a lot of positives, but Devlin has consistently been one of those positives. Do you think he's just sort of chucking himself in the shop window? With these performances obviously being broadcast on what BBC Scotland now BT Sport. I don't think so. I think it's just the type <laughs> of player he is. I think the type of player he is is just, oh, I'm now playing against a big team, right? I'm gonna rise to that. Only when you're stop trying to create this, right? Stop doing this. I'm gonna just be rational and act like that isn't what's happening. <laughs> I'm only pulling your leg, but not even mm-hmm. I could have hoped for as good a reaction as that. Um, yeah. Other Hearts fans, if you are rattled, hit me up on Twitter we can chat out. He's not um, leaving. He's never going to leave, okay? He's here forever. However, if we talk about the second half, um, I think that's where the positives... Yeah, that's it. Ended. He came off five minutes into the second half, so... That was it. It then became dead as a dodo. I mean, Bertrand Drowry was dancing through the Hearts defence like they weren't even there. Thunders one off the crossbar. Then another pet hate of mine, the concession of a goal from a set piece, which puts Istanbul two to the good on 68 minutes. Substitute, right, let's see. Yusuf <laughs> Indaishimiye. Fair play. I don't know how right or wrong that is, but we'll say that it's right. Probably miles off. Feel for Laurie and whoever else was commentating on that. Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy. <laughs> the big fella. Um <laughs> He came on to double Istanbul Bishakshir's lead from a corner, like I say. Seems to escape Stephen Kingsley at the back stick. Bullets ahead or home from close range. And considering we have gripes with regards to Hearts never scoring from corners, it's equally frustrating to see them concede from some McIver. Stephen Kingsley's majorly at fault for this. And he knows it, to be fair. Yeah, He's exactly. himself. I'm not going to dig him out or anything because, yeah, you see, but if you watch it back, you see by his reaction, he's... Yeah. He's fucking furious. And justifiably, because, yeah, the guy just gets a complete run on him. It's a decent ball in, but I think if Kingsley goes with the runner, Kingsley at least can make contact on it. So it's so easy. There's nothing Gordon can do about it. It's a complete free head every five yards. Like, if Gordon had saved that, it would have been one of his best saves ever. It would have been going back the years to Bordeaux. Like, it would have been up there. David Clarkson and all these other jokers. exactly. But yeah, just at that point, you're like, right, that's it. Because I was always of the belief, if we wanted to get a win, we were going to have to score at least two, because they were always going to score. So as soon as they go 1-0 up, it's like, right, okay, we can maybe get a point here if we nick a goal and keep it tight. Still in the game. Exactly. But when it's two, it's like... Right, that's it. Because they just seem to keep going up gears. Like, they didn't yeah. stop at all. I got that impression as well. I mean, they were just popping it around. We were running rings around yeah. to be honest. They, they, they literally were just popping it for fun. It was the triangles. That was the difference yeah. for me. They literally just somebody to come and receive. Bish, bash, bosh. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, And two become three with 15 minutes remaining. This is so unlucky. Stefano Okaka, we alluded to him earlier. Oh, that wasn't unlucky. That was just terrifying. Bulldozes his way through the Hearts defence, past substitute Connor Smith, past Alex Cochran, before seeing his heavily deflected shot as it cannons up off Stephen Kingsley, uh, evade Gordon and into the net. I've felt for Kingsley with the second and third goals, to be honest. Um, You know they gave him that as an own goal as well? Yeah, I did see that. That Which was, is harsh. It's going yeah, on target. Considering the last one is given to, is it Oz, Oz Chan rather than Smith? It comes yeah, off I Smith. Think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're it's almost the, identical. Ones. Yeah, it's one for the dubious Golds panel. I, I don't really care. I don't, I don't want to speak about it. Um, he was again, terrifying. That guy was absolutely oh, terrifying. He was enormous. I remember I've, him coming through at Roma in FM like a decade I, ago. 
I'd heard the name because I I can remember him playing for Watford. Is that right? He was at Watford, Lazio. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But my God, it was his size. Yeah, oh, holy Christ, absolutely enormous. Um, he grabs his goal, and to be honest, looking back, they all are really shitty goals to concede. It's it's not yeah. to take away from them because they thoroughly deserved the win. We were piss poor, but defensively, that is a real, real annoyance that the goals are a slack. Definitely, um, because, like I say, it becomes for substitute. Yeah, Ber- Berkai Ozchan. Ozchan, I think is how it's said. Yeah, get, gets in on the act. Side sidesteps Alex Cochran. Kingsley and Smith both come out to try and meet him, uh, but the former Hamburg midfielder's shot cannons off the latter, uh, and pass Craig Gordon once more. Hearts nil, Istanbul. Bashakshi here four. I think personally. I can understand the frustration, can understand anger and stuff like that. I do think there was a slight overreaction to this result, however, because, yeah, listen, if you get beat 4-0 off anybody, it doesn't matter who it is, you're going to be hard. at home. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That makes it really, really bad. But we do have to remember, they are the seed one side. Fiorentina aren't. Fiorentina are the second seeded side. Yeah, this is allegedly the trickiest side yeah, to face. exactly. This is a side who haven't lost now in 24 matches in six months, are top of the, basically, top of the Super League. Their players, I was saying to Adam before the show, we started recording, Bertrand Chayori and Okaka, they weekly are on more than our entire squad put together weekly. Just those, I think just Chayori himself allegedly is on more than our entire squad. And I know when people go, yeah, but wages don't mean it doesn't just immediately transfer to the pitch. Does that mean that Hearts can't beat them, like? It's like, no, but what it does mean is that nine times out of ten we won't beat them. Because Bertrand Traore got bought for £22 million last season. Okaka's, as we've said, come through the Roma Academy, played at Lazio, Watford. They've got a World Cup finalist in the middle of the park dictating play completely. He was a joy to watch. He was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. And... I totally get it. It's really frustrating. But as I said, I view all these games as a free hit anyway. That doesn't just mean I'm fine to get battered, but also the context of it. We didn't have a starting centre half fit. Like we had to play four fullbacks. We had to, if you look at the injury list, (laughs) if you look at the injury list, at least four of them come into the starting 11. So we're depleted. We're tired. Whether or not the tiredness is justified, as I said earlier, how it does look like we're more tired than we should be, they are a world-class almost outfit who will, as they have said in their plan, they want to be a Champions League club within three years. Like that's they were, their aim. They were a couple of weeks back. A yeah, exactly. A couple of years back, weren't they? Beating yeah. United and whatever. 100%. They were like, that's where we want to be within three years regularly. And you can see it. Because of the amount of funding that they have behind them, I actually think they will be there. For better or for worse, oh, I think they will. Everybody hates them. This is this was the one thing when I was doing some research on them. I had no idea. I think there's something like eight teams from Istanbul mm-hmm. alone in the Super League. Yeah, it's crazy. How mental is that? Everybody knows about Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas and whatever. But some of the others, and everybody seems to hate this mob because their government funded basically yeah. mm-hmm. they're chucking dough at it like it's a strip club um, imagine what it would have been like if we had Ozil if Ozil was oh, playing or Chadley was playing Chadley as well yeah that's what I mean they did that without arguably their two most recognisable best players as well so listen very frustrating but I think it well, I just kind of view this game like I did the when Spurs came up here a decade ago where it was like Oh, this is just a much better team than us. It's just at a this training stage. ground exercise for yeah, them. Yeah, 100%. So, totally get the frustration, but some reactions to it, I think, are a wee bit over the top. But the Euro adventure continues on Thursday night. Uh, before we get into that, Istanbul away is the last fixture, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Aye. Thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> but we take on. How is it said? Is it Riga Footballer Scholar? Riga's Footballer Scholar, aka RFS. Yeah, RFS. Of, of the Latvian top tier. Yes. Um, over there on Thursday night. Um, I haven't done 
any digging whatsoever on RFS bar listening to scars around the funnel. Uh-huh. And I wanted to to touch on Anthony Brown's tweets before you could give us the rundown. Um, because Anthony Brown tweeted, RFS unlikely to be any kind of cannon fodder for hearts, especially in Riga. They've played 16 Euro matches over the last four seasons and lost just five, only once by more than just a goal. Take note of hearts. Uh, drawn away to Ghent, Linfield, Fiorentina, one in Hungary and Slovenia, only lost on pens to Helsinki. No mugs. No. Reckons Anthony Brown. What do you have to say to that, MacIver? I did some slight research. I've been very busy this week. However, I did manage to do some research. So the main thing is, much like Zurich, they're not playing at their ground. They're not playing oh. at their home ground because it's not up to UEFA standards. It's basically like if we went to Stranra. I saw that. Is it not about a 2,000-seater? I think. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And it's mainly terracing, basically. Oh, that'd be magic. No, that's what yeah. you want. So, UEFA need a canal. That's what you say. UEFA don't want that. So... It's moved to another stadium. They are all massive, massive lads. Heard about the fellow that's like six six or something. So their average height of their back four is six foot three. That's Jesus. their average height. Their right back is six one, and their left back is six two. Sounds like we're taking on a rugby team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the football team. This is the thing. I totally get that people looked at this. And went, right, this should be six points. And I do understand that. I also, to kind of back those people up, I don't think you can read into their Fiorentina result as much as some people are, because a lot of people have just been like, well, look, they drew one all, without looking at the context of it. Fiorentina had 82% possession, had 37 shots to RFS's seven, and it was like they got FM'd. Fiorentina got basically, and it should never have finished one all. You play that game a hundred times, Fiorentina away ninety nine times. <laughs> so I do understand when people Great are like, shit, sorry, yeah, counterparts. I have to say, when people were speaking about our performance against Istanbul and people like myself were raising the discrepancy in funding, people were bringing up the RFS Fiorentina result, and it's like I think us playing each other is a much better analogy and proof of what it is but yes listen they are a much more experienced european side than us we do uh, although we might look at this and go well it's the latvian champions who cares that doesn't matter because our players are nowhere near as experienced as them um other latvian journalists say that rfs would finish mid-table slash up top half in the spfl so they're not going to be said the same they're about yeah. a scottish premiership team they are not going to be any sort of mugs, any sort of pushovers. I don't know how many fans they'll take because I don't know the distance. I don't think it's sold out yet. I don't think so because we just kept getting tickets, basically. Yeah. And um, Hearts fans ended up buying in the home end as well. Yeah, exactly. Never helps matters. I wouldn't encourage that. Yeah, that's that's going to... You do you. <laughs> have a feeling that's going to end in tears. But well, One way or another, yeah. I think, obviously, it's our most winnable game. But as I've said... These are a complete free hit to me. As long as we get... It would be great to get a win or or even just get a point. Like, if we got a point, that would be massive. Especially if... I want to win. I would love... It. If we win and Istanbul do what we all now think they will do and beat Fiorentina, it changes everything. Like, then that's yeah. us on three, Fiorentina on none, RFS on one. That's, that is huge. So, if we got a win, it would be massive. But I don't think the narrative should just be we should be able to turn up there and get a result because it's going to be a way harder than I think a lot of people are expecting. Definitely not, considering there are 10 games unbeaten as well. Um, look, we haven't the foggiest about our opposition whatsoever. Let's, nah. just, let's just be honest. So if we're given score predictions, it's going to be a stab in the dark. Yeah. Fire ahead. I'm going to go one each. And I okay. take that, to be honest, away from home. Um, I think... Yeah, yeah, another game without a clean sheet. Yeah, the club records what 16? I think you'll lose the last week. Yeah, that would so, be what 15? 15. I would equal that in Motherwell because yeah. Hamill balls and full yeah, exactly. It's loving it. Um, I'm gonna go one all. I can't, I couldn't name your goal scorer for them. Um, this Serbian fella seems to be the real he seems class, yeah. so I'll go with him. We'll go and the then Serbian fella for us. We'll get our goal. 
because he needs to rem- he needs to turn up in a big game for the first time in his Hearts career. I'm going to go with Barry Mackay scoring. Love that from you. Because for God's sake, Barry, come on, man. Again, don't want to touch too much on the Istanbul game, but he was virtually hogging that Wheatfield tunnel the first half. Was that putting a man down at points? Yeah. That, so, yeah. That's nice. I'd, I'd take that. Yeah. But I'm going to say that we'll win 2-1. Oh, who's scoring for us then? We need, I, I just, uh, I have, I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can. Mackay, will I go for? No, do you know what? I feel like there's a redemption story due. If he starts, I'm going to say George Grant. Oh, fuck. I didn't goals. think that's who you were going to say. <laughs> Did you think? I thought you were going to say redemption to a big Pete. He gets his goal. That'd be nice. I would quite like for a big Pete to get. I didn't even think of George Grant actually. After I've just ridiculed him, (laughs) you'll come in with a pure howling flag singing this song after it. Prepare to see me with a big Austria flag next week. Yeah, I'm going to say Grant and Shankland. Fair. He needs to score again. I'd also like to see him back in the goal trail. Yeah. And this Serbian fella, because he's he's the only. Good person. That's as optimistic you know. as I'm going. I think the bookies have us at about 11 to 8. Okay. But, but I've never touched hearts in a million years, and I certainly don't plan on it. Um, look, before we get into the quiz, I'm aware that this will be a shorter episode than usual. We would have had a weekend fixture to discuss, yeah. but needless to say, we're not going into that. Don't want to open up a can of worms. But this weekend, uh, we travelled to Fur Park, like we said, taking on Hamel Ball in full flow, Motherwell, uh, fourth meets fifth in Lanarkshire in the Scottish Premiership on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we won both league meetings with Motherwell in Edinburgh last season, but lost uh, both of them in Lanarkshire, three being 2-0 and the final one being 2-1, which ultimately led the Steel Men onto their European adventure um, before it was ended. Obviously, we all know what happened. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, because if we pick up a positive result on Thursday, a point minimum, I'd feel a lot more confident yeah, about the weekend. That's fair. If we get beat on Thursday, I just don't know when it's going to turn around anytime soon. Yeah, there's two ways to look at this. I think St Mirren would have been the perfect home fixture, having just beaten, yeah. been beaten off St Johnston. But we could do the rest ahead of two big games this week is how I'm feeling, so I don't know. That's the thing. I think the tiredness aspect is going to come into it, even just the flight. <laughs> like, the travel there is going to affect Good. it. The game is going to affect it. I don't know what the conditions are meant to be like. Apparently, it's just meant to be like warm in Latvia. Like, not roasting, but not freezing. Um, I Honestly, I have no idea. I was at the 2-0 loss last season. It's I still think it's the worst away game I've ever been to in terms of performance. Oh, we were terrible. We were absolutely awful. That was t- Taylor Moore sending off. Taylor it? Moore's sending off, yeah. yeah. I know I don't go to that many away games, so I don't have as big a gamut. I wasn't there at Livingston 5 0. Oh, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I've never seen us away at an old firm game and stuff like that. But yeah, you didn't see us go to Parkhead top of the league, get smashed five. That was yeah, great. yeah, that was, that was, that was class. Um, but yeah, that was terrible. I haven't, all I've seen of Hamel Ball is sports scene. And Hamel Ball seems to be, a vi- Motherwell fans might be offended by this, Hamel Ball seems to be based on Stendhal Ball, where it can oh. kind of be amazing and shit everything ball. clicks. Or just shit. Or just shit, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they don't have a defence. And it kind of just doesn't work at all and no one knows what they're doing. Exposed. Motherwell are kidding on like they're Istanbul, but really, <laughs> they're nothing but. Exactly. I don't know what's going to happen. That's a lie. We're going to get beat. Yeah. I can't it's Fur Park. Can't see anything other than us getting beat, unfortunately. Moving on to the quiz. Hooray! The best part of the show. Yeah. Right. Like I say. Can I make it three? <clears throat> Who am I? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Five questions as per the norm. We have a multiple choice in there. We have a 50-50 in there. And we have a true or false, another 50-50 type. I was about to say, what's uh, the difference yeah. between a true or false and a 50-50? <laughs> so, well, you, you're given two options as we'll, as we'll go into. Um, <laughs> first question. 
I'm having a nightmare. <laughs> I, I, I'm so rich to be slagging off hearts on the park because off the park, I'm just having a nightmare. I just, it's just been a whirlwind couple of weeks. That's all I'll say. Um, yeah. First question. Istanbul Bishakshahir won their first Champions League fixture in November 2020, courtesy of a 2-1 victory against Manchester United. But who else made up their group in Europe's Premier Cup competition? I have absolutely no idea. No. So I'll just guess. Do you, do you want do you want nationalities of the teams? Would that make it any easier for you? Sure, go with that. There's a German team and a French team. Okay, I was genuinely going to say Spanish or Italian. <laughs> so cool. I don't, know, I don't know why I did that. Right. I'm a nice guy. I'm what, what year did you say it was, sorry? 2020-21. Uh, right, so would my United have been top last. seeds? Would my United have been top seeds? Probably not. Maybe second seed, so... I like the logic here. German... I'm gonna go because it's a complete shot of the dark. Because I'm I'm not very good at paying attention to Champions League early rounds. Okay. So I'm gonna go a complete shot in the dark and go Leipzig and oh what French teams are in. Oh, is it PSG? Because that's when Ollie won in Paris. Correct answer. Leipzig and Paris. Both of them. Come on. Well done. Get in. What a start. Good knowledge. I don't remember those Leipzig games at all, (laughs) but I was like, I don't remember them playing Bayern and I don't remember them playing Dortmund. I just say, some of the Champions League fixtures, I was looking at it tonight, bar Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Yeah. Average at best, really. Not excited about Inter Milan versus Victoria Poznan? No, I can't say that I am. (laughs) I'm more excited about Liverpool Ajax. (laughs) So I want to get through this quickly. Um... (laughs) Bashak Shahir Gaffer, Emery Belazoglu, mm-hmm. signed for Newcastle United under yeah, Graham Souness from Inter Milan after breaking through at Galatasaray. But which Turkish team did he support as a boy? Oh. Was it A, Fenerbahce, B, Besiktas, or C, Galatasaray? I seem to remember there being a chant about him being from Galatasaray in the hut in like the stands but i don't know if that's just because newcastle fans don't know any other turkish teams <laughs> so just like oh he's from there right we'll do that i waved at him and he waved back at me by the way at the game that was genuinely the highlight of my night uh he was just looking up at the stand and i made anchor that was right he didn't do like back. a j he didn't do like a j cartwright from the Batinos and he did a classic because no, no, <laughs> i love that man so no I'm going to go Galatasaray, even though I think it's wrong. And you would be correct in thinking that it's wrong. It was Fenerbahce, ah. <laughs> who we'd later play for. <clears throat> Again, these questions are going to think that I'm Emery Belazoglu obsessed. Um, but who is older, Robbie Nielsen or Emery Belazoglu? Right. Logically, Emery played under Sunis, which was right. He was playing for Sunis roughly the same time, basically, as Nielsen was playing for us. So, Emery didn't get into the management game as quick as Robbie, but Robbie started early. I think Robbie is about 42. Oh! Is that correct? Acknowledge that. (laughs) Is Emery older than 42? I'm going to go, no, I think he's 40. So I'll go, so Robbie Nielsen is older than Emery. It's closer than you'd think. Robbie Nielsen is the correct answer. Born 19th of June, 1980. So Emery, he is 42! Exactly. <laughs> but look, get this. Emery, born 7th of September, 1980. So, so he's also literally, 42. Literally, I think, two, two and a bit months between the, between wow. the gaffers. There you go. I'm glad I got that one. Random question, that. that, but... Yeah, I got it. So it's class. Yeah, I didn't know what to ask you when it came to this. this I'm glad that you've made it Emery because it's like it is related to me. Exactly. I I know that you're obsessed with them. So uh, yeah, I I figured I wanted to see how obsessed you are. Not bad. Not bad. Thank you. Uh, Hearts take on Rigas Footballer Scholar, aka RFS, in their next Europa Conference League Group A match. But true or false? 
RFS are the first Latvian team to reach a UEFA Cup competitions group stage. False. Sure? Yeah. Correct. They are the second Latvian team to reach a UEFA group stage. I can't remember the name of them, but I knew that there was another Latvian team. After FK Event Spills. Okay, I wouldn't have got that if you'd asked who it was. But I remember no, seeing I, something no, I, about I figured not. them being... Like, so I'll take three from four. I'll take You're that. doing well. Coincidentally, they qualified for the 2009-10 Europa League. That was the year where Fulham reached the final. Yeah, I was going to say. Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Unbelievable. The yeah. inaugural Europa League group stage. Yes, of course. Uh, right. Right. Who am I? right. This question, honestly fucking sickens me every bloody week whether i'm asking it whether i'm answering it because <laughs> either you can't get it, it and i keep getting it i hate it so much man why who what numpty put forward this idea honestly right okay you'll be happy with one of the clues let's just oh, God. my youth career began in france after an unsuccessful trial with then english premier league side sunderland in 2001 Spells in Germany, Algeria, and France followed before I signed for Hearts from Turkish capital club Ankaraguchu, the second Turkish club I represented, swapping Ankara for Edinburgh. I left the Jambos, having scored just one memorable goal for Greece and Abu Dhabi before somehow ending up at Kilmarnock. My only two honours were an Algerian Cup and a Turkish Super League title with Galatasaray in 2008. Who am I? Sorry, can you repeat the last fact? Uh, yeah, my only two honours were an Algerian Cup with MC right. Alger and a Turkish Super League title with Galatasaray in 2008. Who am I? I thought you were going to say the major honours because I thought it was going to be Ozturk because of the one memorable goal, but then I was like, he never played for Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm like, have I forgotten that Osterk played for Killy? But no, then you said, I'm, I'm gonna get only this man's two, uh, wiki up because I know that you're gonna ask questions. The only two honors, major or minor, are those two things. Yes, so he played for Galatasaray, yes, and won a cup in 2008. And did you say, sorry, that was the Super League title with Galatasaray? Did you say that was before or after us? Sorry. Uh, it was before us. Before us, right. Okay, he scored... So wait, sorry, was the clue he scored one memorable goal or he just... His only goal was a memorable one? For Hearts, yeah. His only goal was a memorable goal. He only scored once for Hearts. For Hearts. Right, okay. Again, <laughs> can't apply to Ali Monster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because when you said that, I thought you just meant he scored a memorable goal. If you, if you get this, if you get this, I'll be very impressed. I had to make it hard because yours right. has been fucking solid recently. Right, name his clubs. Right, classic MacIver question. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> okay, I'll put it this way. I hope you've got your notepad with you. Oh right. God! Right. Okay. <laughs> Mere clubs and Tiger. This man. <laughs> right. Here we go. Mets. Union Berlin, MC Alger, Kaiserslautern, Galatasaray, Troyes, Ankaraguchu, Hearts, Pass Giannina, Banias, USM Alger, Kilmarnock, Progress Niederkorn, Swift Hesperange, whoever the hell they are. The Kilmarnock thing has totally <laughs> thrown me. It's the most obscure sighting ever. I don't understand, because I'm trying to think, who scored a really memorable goal? <laughs> I ended up at Kelly. And ended up at Kelly after winning the Super League. What is that as a career? If anybody gets this, I'll be very impressed. Not just you, MacIver. This is a hard I genuinely have no idea. Sorry, what? This is my other question. I think it's a waste of a question. But what year did he join us? Or did you say that in the thing? No, I didn't. I right. Didn't. So he played for Hearts between 2009 and 2011. 
Right. Well, all the other cases in the window, because the guy I had was about eight years too late. <laughs> How did you have? My brain went decamona. But then I was like, he hasn't he didn't score a memorable goal, and I don't think he signed for killing. Oh, uh, if he'd have scored a goal, it would have been memorable already. True. I, 2009 not, I think he did end up at Kelly. No, he did, didn't he? I think the Kona did play for Kelly. I'm gonna have a look. I'm certain he has. I think he did. I'm I'm almost there. Come on, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Kelly so, after leaving us. Yeah, yeah so okay. I was like, did he score a memorable goal? But then no, you were like a decade beforehand. Uh, and I just and just just to clarify again, he signed for Kelly after us. You must you would have missed out past Giannina, Banias, and USM Alger. Right. Okay. Yeah. What a, what a life this man has lived. Honestly, I love this guy. Oh nine eleven. So he's before the cup win, but he's in the Kevin Kyle Temps team. Yes. And he only I, I can goal. I can I literally I can remember him in that Ajax strip. I think very fondly about this man. Oh, I, the only person I can remember in that. Well, actually, no, that's not true. The three people I can remember in that are Nadi, Kevin Kyle, and David Templeton. They're the only three people I can remember in that kit. Right. One goal, focus yes. on that. So he's clearly not a striker, however, he probably is because of our <laughs> <laughs> However, if he's here for two years, he clearly isn't a striker. In that period, did we have very many center mid scoring loads of goals? Ian Black joined later. I have a few in Ian Black, didn't he? I know he played for Kelly, but Ian Black didn't play for Galatasaray in 2008. I don't think, I don't think Ian Black even played for Kelly. Do you know? I thought Ian Black played for Kelly. No. I think it was Inverness. Oh, yeah, it was Inverness. It was Inverness. It wasn't. Um, I need Inverness, to... Hearts, Rangers, Shrewsbury, Blackpool. Yeah. I need to think of a name. <clears throat> oh, and I've not even been able to get his nationality because I've asked my questions. I'm going to go with that he's French because of Mets. Are Mets a French team? They are a French team. <laughs> okay, they are a French team. Right. The problem is, I now can't think of a single French player who played for us during this time, apart from Nadi. And Nadi definitely scored more than one goal and then didn't play for Kelly. And Christian Nadi is well thought of by Sheffield United fans for when he outpaces Colo Touré and scores against Arsenal. Yes. And needless exactly. to say, this man has not played for the Mighty Blades. The problem is I can't even think... There's only one person's name, and I don't think he played for us during this time. Go on. But I'm going to go with Boozied. Well. Who is it? Who is it? You've only gone and fucking done it again. No, I've not. (laughs) Israel Boozied. You're doing what I did last week. No, it's Israel Boozied. I I shit you not. Is it actually? Yes, it is. Did Israel Boozied Go on his Wikipedia right now. Born in France, he represented Algeria at international level. Look at those clubs. I fucking got boozy. <laughs> I honestly feel sick. I hate this game. We are not doing who I'm either anymore. This is bullshit. This is incredible. That is genuine bullshit. The only name in my head was boozy. That is bollocks. Do you know Absolute why it bollocks. was in my head? Why? It's because when I gave you Jean-Louis Valois, you also said Boozied out loud. I forgot Boozied had even existed. So, massive thank you for that. Um, I've now got four out of six. Mate, please don't. It makes (laughs) me feel physically sick to my stomach. I'm classic. For someone who doesn't really remember anything that isn't Kevin McKenna, I'm really impressed with myself. I feel sick to my stomach. See, um, this is the thing. You need to be tactical with the questions asked and not just go, who did he play under twice? And use both <laughs> your questions on that. You need to get the questions to be more white. I, I need to fix up next week. Do you remember Ismail Bouzid's only goal? No, what was, I was just about to ask her. What was his goal? A winning goal against Celtic. I think we won 2-1. Was that Yeah, it was. I can't even remember who scored our opener. I think we came from behind to beat Celtic. Wow. If my memory serves me. Uh, I can't believe I got boozy. I cannot believe I got boozy. Mate, I am spewing. 
right now. I'm buzzing. Yeah. Hearts coming from a goal behind uh, to beat 10-man Celtic. Uh, yeah, let's have a look. Uh, so, Georgia Samaras gave Celtic the lead. Wow. Uh, a Michael Stewart penalty put us back on level. I was going to say Michael Stewart. And then Ishmael Buzzi. What's happening now? What's happening? I'm, I'm zoned in in this time period. For, for those asking, can't remember McKilly whatsoever. Um, it said, in the summer of 2013, Buzzi went on trial with Scottish second division side East Fife, but on the 20th of September 2013, signed with Scottish Premiership side Kilmarnock after impressing on trial. He also began a short-term trial at Rangers when they were in the lower leagues and is currently... The assistant manager of Union Titus Petange in Luxembourg. There you go. Fair so, play to him. Fair play. Love this Mobuzi. What a guy. I love him even more now because he's the only French player I could remember playing for us apart from Nadi. So, what a moment this I mean, has been. Is he though? Because he played for Algeria. But he was born in France. So yeah, I he was born he in France. Is that now me got three in the bounce? Who have you got? Buzied. Well, I got Boozied, Eggy Onsen. Who, did, who was the one Onsen. beforehand? Um, oh no, I didn't because I think the next one was David Obua, and I didn't get Obua. That's right, David Obua. Yeah, mine are obscure, all from that same time period. Probably not that obscure because I'm smashing it all the time. And then you literally when you said I have one name in my head, I think <laughs> don't do it, just don't, <laughs> mate, don't do it, and he fucking has. Well, let us know if you got it as well. I like it when people say. They get annoyed at me for taking too long to get it. Like that's that's our levels. Folk are annoyed at you for no getting it, and folk are annoyed at me for just taking long enough. You need to get up here. You need to I just I don't know. I just I'm conscious. You just of ask about Shabalazla constantly. <laughs> ask ask Grant questions. <laughs> I'm fixated on Shabalazla. I want to know why it wasn't a success <laughs> all those exactly. years ago. Well, much like Shabalazla, we hope you've enjoyed your time here. And if you have, please, that's a class linking end. Don't laugh at that. That's amazing. If you have enjoyed, thanks. That's it. Amazing that there, because of that. I just, your face there was like, all you're thinking about is Shavuot. <laughs> I feel sick. Honestly, I was literally going to include that. I'm the only, I was the first person from my country to win a Super League title. Because he was the first Algerian to receive oh, a medal. Wow. I didn't know that. What a guy. But anyway. Thank you very much. No, love you, Boozied. Welcome back anytime. Come on the show. It'll be class. It would be good to get you on the show. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if your English is up to it, but be good, man. We'll give you a try. Anyway, if you have enjoyed this, please do let us know on social media. We're at Pet Paisley on everything. You can also let us know via the email, pettopaisley at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed it, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Massively helps the algorithms. Likewise, if you're watching on YouTube, please leave a like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps as well. Adam, where can they get you on social media? Uh, well, I'm just about to go off and dig out my French dictionary, uh, polish up on my higher French and try and tempt Ishmael Buzzi on the podcast. You can maybe see that on Twitter at Adam T. Kendall. What about yourself, mate? Well, I will actually be the consult between Buzzi because I know who he is, unlike Adam, at DMacIver22. We'll be back next week to speak about the RFS game, the Monroe game, where we are after those two games and a whole lot more. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Come on now!